Ah, well, good morning, and um, yes, tomorrow night, uh, Christmas Eve service, 11 p.m. candlelight service. Uh, come, it should be a great time. We end right on Christmas morning, right at midnight. When you walk out, you're ready to go. I know for many of you have family things, but if you are like, hey, I'm up and I'm wrapping gifts, put that on hold, come here, come to the service, go back and wrap gifts. That's what it is. Or for you guys who are building things in the middle of the night, take an hour break, come to a service, all right? Hey, um, good to be with you. We're going to jump into our message because we have, we have a lot to get into and, um, and finishing up. By the way, if you're visiting with us, welcome. We're glad that you are here. Merry Christmas to you. We've been in a series, um, and this series has been called Away in a Manger. Um, it is a play on the song Away in a Manger. And in that context, we have believed that the way truly did come through a manger. Let me start off by telling you a story, and you can uh, switch over my screen. We're going to uh, what we're going to do is, is that I want to just tell you that as we get into this, our hope is, is that we will, we will make, hopefully, the scriptures come um, alive to you. Uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I, I went on a, a, a trip with our youth leaders. I'm only going to tell you the front part. The back part has a whole other story. But the front part, we've been trying to get to the mountain all day. It was one of those things where you stopped and you ate and there was traffic and everything else. And so we had driven up. And by the time we got to our campsite, it was dark. We kind of pulled in with, with lights and we set up in the dark. And then we, we made a fire and there were six of us sitting around. And, and the, flyer, the fire itself put out an illumination and we could see around us. We saw some trees and saw a few rocks and, and, and we were there and, and we just had a good night the first night just kind of talking and sharing. But remember, we had come up in the dark. And so that night we all go get in our tents, sleep. The next morning when we wake up, I just remember this sensation because the fire had only given me this much view. Does that make sense? So I'm in the forest. I expect to see trees. What I did not expect to see when I got out of my tent was this vista of this incredible valley and all of these boulders and these mountain peaks and the snow-capped part of it and just the magnitude of it. Does that make sense? Now, he was always there. Does that make sense? And he was there that night when we were sitting around the fire. It was all there. But all I could see was what that fire had given me the glow of. But that next morning, I just remember that moment of just being blown away. I am hoping for you that God's word has that feeling for you. That as you get to know God's word, there's some of it that you see and you expect there to be these things in the Bible. But what happens is, is God opens your eyes to see the vista of what he is doing throughout all of what he has done through the people of Israel, through what he did through his son, Jesus Christ. And even today, and we get into this idea of the way in a manger. Today's message is called a, um, a and The. That will all make sense by the time we get done. If you have your Bibles or if you have the app, you can look. All the verses are there. This is Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79. We started with this four weeks ago. It is really Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who is speaking to his son who has just been born. He was the one that got to go into the temple. The angel told him that he would have a child in his old age. His wife, Elizabeth, was barren. And it was a miracle, but he didn't believe it. So he was not allowed to speak until his son was born. But when his son was born, he had these words. And he gets, it's an amazing statement. But when he gets down here, it says this, And you, child, he's speaking to his child that's just been born. And you, child, 
will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of the salvation to his people and forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. To give light to those who sit in darkness. Let's go back. To give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is what he's saying about John. That he would have this job to bring about the one. He would go before him, prepare the way, make it possible. Now, in your Bibles, in the, in the Gospels, uh, Matthew and Luke give us most of what we consider the birth story of Jesus. Matthew and Luke do. Mark, quick hit and goes. By the way, it has to do with your audience. Just so you're aware, when you look at the Gospels, Matthew is a book to the Jews. Mark is a book to the Romans. The Romans would not have necessarily been as concerned about his genealogy. They were concerned about other things. Luke is trying to make sure he covers every detail. That's why we have his detail. And then John has a different purpose. John starts off by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He just starts off by saying, look, it just starts with God being here. And everything was created through him. But I want to show you what John, uh, the book of John says about um, what happens with this kid, John, going before Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Tonight, tonight, we begin this journey into, you know, we know that tomorrow is Christmas Eve. So some of you guys are like, okay, it's Sunday, but I still got some shopping to do, right? Then Christmas Eve, when the good shopping starts, the really good stuff, 7-Eleven, rack just right to the cashier. Good stuff there. Check it out. But in that, we started this journey. But when we get to Christmas Eve. We get to Christmas Eve. We understand that there had been a darkness. So watch this. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. See, the significance, the significance of Jesus is that in our darkness, in our sin, in our hopelessness, there comes light. There comes this light, this vista that opens up our eyes and we can start to see things that maybe were always there, but we couldn't see them. John's job was to not be the light, but to speak about the light. In John 1, 25, it says, and they asked him. Now, this is the group coming up to John himself. They asked him this question. And you're going, Jeff, why would you put this passage in here? It will hopefully make sense. They asked him then, why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ? They asked him, are you the Christ? He said, no. Nor Elijah, nor the prophet. Now, I want you to know that when we read the Bible, we miss sometimes some things because we don't understand how the connected tissues work. It's interesting that he uses in that last phrase, nor the prophet. Notice it doesn't say nor a prophet. He says, listen, he goes, Are you, you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, or a prophet. He doesn't say that. He says, nor the prophet. 
So why would they ask that question? Why the word the prophet? There's been many prophets, we know that. Isaiah and Jeremiah, major prophets, minor prophets, but they ask him specifically, John, are you the prophet? That the is very, very important. And if you were just reading through, you may not have picked up on it. So let's look at this. In that word, the has a significance. Because the is very specific. Are you the prophet? So let's look at this. John chapter 1, 45 through 46. Philip found Nathanael. By the way, these are the guys who are being called by Jesus to become what we would call them the disciples, who would eventually become the apostles, those 12 that would begin the church. It says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote to Jesus, wrote Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Because we found him. The one that Moses and all of the prophets spoke about, he's Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Now, by the way, that son of Joseph thing is significant because again, as we looked at last week, he's in the line. Joseph is in the line of David. I love this answer by Nathaniel. Nathaniel said to him, can anything could come out of Nazareth? <clears throat> Philip said to him, come and see. <coughs> I got to go to Israel. Uh, Nazareth is not that impressive. Let's be honest with you. We didn't, Rob was with me. He's like, he's agreeing. It's not that impressive. Nazareth, where it sits and where it's about, it's just not that impressive. And so we, on our tour, we were there for all of like, it was like we pulled up and went, and then we got in the bus and kept going. Like, it was it. Even today, Nazareth is nothing. Their only thing is, we were the place that Jesus was from. But by the way, we turned our backs on him. Nothing you want to be really known about. So here you have Nathaniel going, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because here's the problem he had. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you have it too. Hey, the Messiah's here, and he's from Nazareth. And his brain goes, no, 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 no. That math does not work. He's got to come place from someplace special, significant. Nazareth? The math doesn't work. Again, in our day and age, it would be like he came from maybe New York or Washington, D.C., or maybe even L.A., San Francisco. But Fremont? Newark? Again, last week I picked on Canada. I'll leave them alone this week. But he says, come and see. Now, what are they talking about? They're looking for the prophet. Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19. By the way, these words were so significant to the Jewish people. This is something in which Moses has said, has said, and by the way, the moment that he said it, they began looking for this guy. Verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when he said, well, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord, my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. You're going, what's that talking about? Let me give you background. God brought them all up to this mountain. This is the mountain in which 
Moses would go up and he would get the Ten Commandments. And God showed up in his power and his fury. I mean, it was just flames and thunder. It was all of God's awesomeness. And the people said, "Um, we don't want to come to that mountain anymore. We're afraid if we get too close, we're going to die. That's what they're talking about. We don't want to come up to that place. It was too scary for us. The The God, Yahweh, is too awesome for us. Too overwhelming for us. So when it says, let me, not, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. Watch what happens. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. It was too much for them. So God showed his majesty, showed his power on this mountain. And the people said, we don't need more of that. It's too much. Watch this. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. So this is what it is. God showed up in his fury and his power, and they didn't want any more of it. So God goes, I will send one that will come as a human and speak to them in their voice and will speak to them all that I have commanded. See, that's the way we've been talking about. It was too much for them. There would be this prophet. And so the people of Israel have been waiting for this prophet that would be one, that would be like Moses, that would come. And not with, again, all of this power that was scary, but would become like them and be able to speak with them and be able to talk to their hearts. They've been looking for that prophet. 19, and whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. See, it's him. What he says is going to be what you need to listen to. What he says is going to change everything. And he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. See, here's what we need to know. Jesus is the way. And he has come to share truth. Not in this place that was so scary for the Israelites. But in this place, it says, I'm one of you. I get you. I understand you. And yet I'm going to give you hope, and I'm going to give you truth, and I'm going to point you in the right direction. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now what's interesting is, is this. That phrase is so significant because he says, I have come, I've spoken what God has commanded me to come, and I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, I want to show you something. Maybe you've picked up on this, maybe you haven't. If you have your paper Bibles, get these ready. You're going to want to see something in your Bibles. If you have your on your phone, it's going to be on there as well. I want to show you something. In the beginning of the church, they weren't first called Christians. I'll share you with them that happens. They didn't have a title. See, the Jews had a title. They knew who they were. They were the, the children of God, the chosen people of God. But when the, the whole thing happened, when they started up, they, would, they didn't know what to call themselves. It's interesting to me that this phrase, that Jesus says, I am the way and the truth of life, had such significance. Listen to me. Such significance that the beginning of what we call Christianity, actually, the phrase they picked up on was the concept, the way. Let me show you. 
This is Acts chapter 9, verse 2. And ask him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the what? Now notice that the word way is capitalized. You'll find that in your Bibles. That isn't me doing that. That's in your Bibles. He says, belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Acts 19.9, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with them, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Acts 19.23, about that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. Acts 24.14, but this I confess to you that according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. And Acts 24, 22. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying, when Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Even Felix knew that this group was called the way. That phrase, I am the way, the truth, and life, was so significant that the people, the first people, said, we are a part of the way. That's what they called themselves. Now, for whatever reason, again, these are the verses as they pop up. For whatever reason, we know that Paul speaks of this thing, talks about the fact that they were called the way. And this idea was, it was very clear that Jesus, when he came, made a new way. That he fulfilled the law and there was a new way. And it was only through him that you would find the way and the truth and the life. Now, there is a passage that says what we call ourselves today. And that is found in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And when they found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So for whatever reason, the phrase Christians has become the kind of the title of what we know. But for quite a while, the significance was they called themselves the way. All because of this phrase, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want to tell you something. I'm not asking you to turn around like, oh, start now calling yourself the way. I'm not asking you to do that. But I do want you to understand that they saw the significance that it was, Jesus was the way. Like, that phrase gave them their project, kind of their trajectory. He's the way. It's through him. This is how we get here. So, Isaiah 43, 18 through 21. Remember not the former things, nor consider things of old. When Jesus came, this is a prophecy... When Jesus came, he said, look, those things are coming to an end. We no longer have a temple. We no longer have the sacrifice of animals. We no longer have the cleansings. We no longer have to keep all the food laws. Look what it says. Remember, not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
When Jesus came, he made a new way. He made it possible for us to find a path to him. He made it possible for us to find hope. It was a new thing. And the question is, do you perceive it? The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I gave water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. It's interesting. Jesus calls himself the way, but also says that I am, right, living water given to all people. Come and drink of me. The people whom I formed for myself that I might declare my praise. So the book of Isaiah tells us there's going to be a new way, a new thing. And it's found because of this baby. So let's go back. John was asked a question. Are you the prophet? Not a prophet. Are you the prophet? Watch what happens. Verse 21, and when they asked him then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. The. The. Now I want to watch you. I want you to see something. The story of Nicodemus is pretty important. Nicodemus is the one, but by the way, we get John 3.16 comes from this time where this religious leader comes to Jesus and kind of questions him in the middle of the night. I want you to see something different. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Did you see the difference? He didn't say, hey, you are what? The teacher, he said, you are a teacher. Jesus, are you a teacher? It's amazing how that one word changes everything. Are you a teacher? And I want you to know that one of the things that I watch in our society and I watch in our world, I want to demonstrate to you And it looks like this. Are you a teacher? Jesus, no. I'm the teacher. Are you a king? He says, no. I'm the king. Are you a hope? No. I'm the hope. Are you a light? One of many, I'm the light, the one. The ones that say, Jesus, are you a choice? No, I am the choice. See, the difference between A and the is everything. See, because the world wants to keep telling you that it's just A, options. What feels good to you? But it's interesting to me that when we see Jesus, Jesus turns the A's into thus. He's not a choice. He's the choice. Are you a truth? 
Jesus says, I am the truth. Are you a prophet? He says, no, I am the prophet. Are you a savior? He says, no, I'm the savior. See, it's all about how we come to this thing of Jesus in a manger. Do we see him as a choice, a truth, a hope, a teacher, a king, or do we see him as the hope, the choice, the savior, the king, the truth, the light? Because when we get to this whole thing and we get to the bottom of it, Is he a way? Or is he the way? The way in a manger. Jesus comes to take away all the other options. Not all other religions lead to God. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. No one. This is such a significant concept for us to grasp. Because I listen to people and you say to them, I follow Jesus. They go, that's good for you. Because what they're saying is there's just one of many and you found your own path. I want to say to him, no, I found the path. I found the way. I found the access to God. And it's not through my good works. It's definitely not through my good, work, my good looks. I found the way through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 20. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. See, that's the way. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. I'm the way. I am what you've got to get through. A couple weeks ago, I was in this place. Do you guys remember the, bead, the beaded doorways? Do you guys remember the beaded doorways of the 70s? Who had the beaded doorways of the 70s? Oh, I walked in. It was just, it's like I just went right back in time. I'm like, look at this. The bead. If you have never been through a beaded doorway and you're young, you haven't lived, it's okay. You're all right. I have no idea what the purpose of the bead. It doesn't really block anything. It doesn't do anything. You can see right through it. But I just remember walking through that sense of the, just like, oh, right? That is this, you, you have this thing where you have to go through this. It gets all over you. It 
Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. And I know it's a gruesome picture, and I'm not trying to make it gross, but it's just this idea that I go through his blood. Verse 20. By the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain that is through his body. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his body. So let me just say this. Why is the manger so significant? Because that little ball of flesh, that little needy baby who needed Mary and needed Joseph, that is what made it possible for a God to not come in his power and his fury, but to come in his innocence of a child. And through what we would do, listen to me, what you would do and what I would do to him by my sin and your sin, putting him on the cross. He's there because of us. Then because of the blood shed on that cross, I get to come in because through him is the way. Because of this baby, He made a way where there was no way. He made rivers come into a desert. He made it possible for us to have life, and it's a living way. This Christmas, I am hoping that our eyes are opening up to see the vista of what God was about. It's not about a baby in a manger, that's the fire. You don't see the whole vista to you to understand that the baby becomes the man who would teach us, who would love us, who would then die for us, die on the cross, and now sits at the heavenly Father, hand of the Heavenly Father. And by the way, we'll come back, and I'm hoping as the sun rises, you are seeing the beauty of what God has planned. When you look at the, 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 the nativity set, you're seeing just the fire. And as his light grows begin to see the beauty of what he has. That you have a way and that you have life because he's not a truth and he's not a way. He's the way. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come. We come because you are not a way or a hope or a choice. We come because you are thee. We come because you are thee. And we come to thee today because it is through you that I have access. But it would not have happened if you did not come as this child. And the city of Bethlehem, born of a virgin... Wrapped in swaddling clothes, this child makes it possible for something new to begin a new and living way. You are the prophet. You are the truth.
and you are the life. And may we all find our way to the Heavenly Father through you. And I pray all these things in the beautiful name of your Son. Amen.